you know, there's nothing that I can do to convince them to change their minds. The show wasn't targeted to them. Mm. They're entitled to their opinion. So I, I told them, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, but I stand by my show. You know, I stand by the decisions I made. You know, I made certain decisions based on uh, a lot of different factors that they had no idea about what it's like to create and direct a TV show with all the pressures of schedule and budget and the producers and the different broadcasters and the artists that you have access to and the ones you don't have access to. You know, so there's a lot of a lot of things there that they didn't. They, there's no way they're going to know. They can only imagine. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, I, I just ke- communicated with them, and and all those convos are are still there on my blog. <laughs> yeah, I left them there because why not? You know. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dan, and I'm so glad that you are here today because we obviously together believe in the power of story, whether it's personal stories, whether it's business stories, whether it's stories for entertainment. We know that stories separate us from all other life on earth. What other creature tell stories like we do. And we're about to dive into yet another great story with a fantastic storyteller. But before we do, a quick note, the website is where everything is at, thestorytellersnetwork.com. So wherever you're listening, go to thestorytellersnetwork.com for past episodes, for resources on how to better tell your story, and for how to contact me if you want to do so as well. Today's guest is a mom, an animator, a humorist, an award-winning story artist, a compelling public speaker, and a social media minx. That's her word. I wouldn't call her minx, but she does. Because she is, but that's that's okay. But it'd be weird if I did. So anyway, so there you go. So uh, she's always playful, and she's often poignant, and she's J.C. Little. And J.C. blogs about her eclectic slice-of-life stories with unique drawings and animations at theanimatedwoman.com. She's a happily married mother of three and a director whose 30-plus year career in animation has spanned commercials, feature films, TV series, new media, mobile apps, and picture books. And she's even working on another film and a graphic novel as well. JC is a two-time blogger voice of the year honoree and winner of three Canadian weblogs. She also delivers highly illustrated keynotes. See what I did there? On leadership, visual storytelling, and empathy. JC is the creator and director of the Disney syndicated Gemini nominated kids TV series, My Life Me, and has animated over 30 short films, the latest of which is the award-winning Papa Pascali which we talk about in our conversation. She also happened to draw My Bride Me for our wedding back in 2011. Look in the show notes for those very special illustrations there. So I've known JC for a few years now and have followed her story through a couple of chapters anyway. And now I want to share her stories with you. JC Little, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here to tell your story. Welcome. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. So this season, I'm talking to what I consider entertainment storytellers. And 
one of my hopes was to have you on. Uh, I've known you for a while. I've been following along. I, I, I see the comics. I read. I, I love what you do. Um, do you consider yourself a storyteller, JC? Definitely. Yeah. I think that's first and foremost what's going on with me. Yeah. And, and do you think entertainment kind of covers you as far as a genre goes? Or, or what kind of storytelling do you see as what you do? Uh, you know, sometimes I get like a drop down menu in some kind of form that I have to fill out. And, uh, I think entertainment is the only thing that I can select that really describes because there's a lot of, I, I guess, intersection, um, you know, with what, with what I do. Some of it is sort of educational. Some of it is uh, more personal, but you know, uh, there's there's no really intersecting model. So I, I usually just check entertainment entertainment box. So yeah, I guess so. So it was a good fit then to have you on the season. Yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, you can squeeze me. You can squeeze me into that hole. <laughs> yeah. All right. Pour me in. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're kind of a, a little bit of a maybe not a square peg in the round hole, but maybe more of an of an octagon or decagon. Like you fit, but it's a little bit, you know, awesome. <laughs> so JC, where does that start for you? Have you always been uh, a storyteller or, or I guess more directly, have you always been an artist? Always been an artist ever since, you know, probably before birth. I don't know. Oh, this is, here's my dog. <laughs> there he is. Dog is visiting. Aw. That's him. He's massive, by the way. That's my yeah. new dog. Um, he's go He's uh, gorgeous. Yeah, he's a good boy. I almost called him by my old dog's name. Oh, shoot. Chuck, lie down. Good boy. Um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, my, my mom always tells me this story that um, when I was really small, like maybe less than two, she was showing me how to use crayons. And um, she started to draw on my drawing. And I knocked the crayon out of her hand. I like hit her hand. I was like, no, you know, so that's always been there. And she also says that when at that moment she realized that I, that I had the gift, you know, this, this, well, I don't call it a gift so much as like a, a, an urge to like draw and just, you know, write it down or draw it down um, to put it down in, in some way. So I think, yeah. She was, she was pretty overjoyed at that point. And, that, and after that, sadly for me, I only got art supplies for my Christmases and birthdays. Mm. <laughs> it's a long stretches like between it. new ones, huh? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so do you have a favorite medium then? I mean, I go all the way back to crayons, but then you also use digital, but you also use ink and you sketch. Like, do you have a favorite way or does it just kind of depend on the, on the, the, the story? Yeah, you know what? I I've been digital for so long like like only drawing with my Wacom or my iPad. Um I'm kind of always going back to um actual, you know, drawings on paper or something like that. But but yeah, di digital is is so fast for me and I don't want to waste my time getting into um, especially with my stories on the animated woman, like my blog, I don't want to get uh, tied down with having to make something really beautiful or put like a, a lot of what we call over adoration of the means, you know, I like really working the drawing. I don't want that to impede my time in telling the story. 
So I prefer to like do the, the drawings really simple, really fast. I need to have that, con you know, um, control Z so that I can redo something that's not working really quickly. So mm -hmm. digital is probably my favorite right now. But having said that, I've been doing, um, uh, you know, these dog portraits and cat portraits, you know, portraits. And I, I started doing them digitally for sure. But now I'm like playing a little bit with actual watercolors and I'm kind of like really loving that. Yeah. And they're gorgeous, by the way. Um, the, the, there will be links in the show notes, but you have to go look at JC's pet portraits. So amazing. And each one tells a story. When I, I remember one of the early ones I saw where it was, I, I believe it was a dog. And when you zoom in on the eye, there was a picture of a girl there. Yeah. And there's a story behind it. Do you mind sharing that story? So that's a friend of mine named uh, Julia, and uh, um, actually both of her kids have PKD, which is a, a kidney disease, and they, they both had, um, uh, uh, at a very early age, kidney transplants. Um, so um, I know I'm allowed to share this story. I asked, I asked her permission. But they, when they were young, you know, they were really young, and they were going through a lot, and each of them had a dog that... Uh, at, uh, during a certain time in their life when you know they were going through a lot, the dog provided a lot of support and comfort. So um, I had the idea to put the reflection of the child in the dog's, the reflection in the dog's eye. So uh, it, was, it was a really beautiful idea and it's a very um, personal detail, you know, um, that is it just in a single image um, in the dog's face. So thanks for noticing that, yeah. And it, it, I mean, it, it moved me <laughs> like for, for listeners who know me, we're a cat family, but we love animals. And I had, I had dogs growing up and I, I know the connection between pets, whatever they are and, and their, and their, and their people, That's and right. she, man, I mean, it, it genuinely choked me up. I may have even had a tear fall. I won't, I won't say for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the incredible care that goes into your stories. Cause I like, like they're drawings, but they're more than that. And especially the portraits, like it's a story. So anyway, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll stop fawning. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, go check those out. And if you can commission JC for one of those too, because those are amazing. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There was an incredible irony with those um, pet portraits. I haven't been doing them for very long, only about a year. And I would say maybe a third of them are, um, how do you call it? You know, tributes uh, to pets that have passed. And uh, um, uh, so I'm, I'm drawing these, these animals. And recently I, my own dog, you know, died and, and uh, uh, I was, it was very, very difficult. And people, you know, were so kind to um, hire me to draw more pets with this portrait drive that I did to, in order to pay for my, my dog's vet bills. So there I was drawing, you know, all of these dogs, a lot of them were deceased in order to pay the vet bills for my own deceased dog. So there was something really sweet and touching about that too. And, you know, kind of ironic, but um, it was good. It's been good to be able to do that. It sounds like maybe it's a little bit therapeutic, which is good. Yeah. Art therapy. Art therapy. <laughs> it's a little bit like you know, my, my motorcycle is my wind therapy. So I understand. Um, right. <laughs> Your wind therapy, is that what you called it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. I love that. Yeah. So, so really the stories behind the portraits are connecting you to those who commission them and then connecting those who view them to you. So 
how like story stories are connecting, I guess. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And people, people need to see themselves in art and storytelling and visual story storytelling is, is a really effective way, way to do that. And like, like you just, you know, I'm so glad that you consider those portraits to be stories because they really are, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, uh, and I think that, that when people see and feel what someone else has felt and loved about a dog, even if they're not a dog person or a cat person, they, they can relate in some way, you know? They really can. And, and like you said, even if they're not necessarily a dog person, my gosh, what a connection. So, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I like to see them crossing lines. Thank you. And then your other stories then. So you mentioned earlier the animated woman. Uh, that's how, how I first knew you. And, right. Uh, and so how, when you create those, it's almost, it almost feels graphic novel, comic strip, web comic, whatever you want to call it. It's that style, I suppose. Right. Yeah. How, I mean, I, I call them enhanced stick figures because basically they're, they really are just stick, stick people with a little bit of enhancements, although they are um, deceptively simple. They're, they're not that simple to create, you know? I wondered about that. The expressions and the emotions and the, the poses and everything. Like, um, I do try to do them really quickly, but there's a lot of nuance that goes in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you draw them based on the thought or the event that you're trying to get across? Or do you draw something and then say, oh, this is a good for that story? Like, how does that work for you? Uh, no, I, I'm definitely going, I'm bouncing from the story. Like right now, um, just before you started recording, I was telling you that life is pretty hectic here right now because we had a, um, uh, and this is a really good example of some, so how I would get inspired for a story. Okay, so um, I'm finishing my supper and I get a phone call from my son who is 19 and he's upstairs in his bedroom. And all he says to me is, mom, come upstairs right now. And it's like, uh, okay, super dramatic, right? So I go up there and his bedroom is filled with flying carpenter ants that have just hatched, right? And they're flying, crawling all over everything. Maybe there's about a hundred of them. It was a freaking nightmare. And, uh, um, you know, just to jump straight to the point is that we had to um, go in there, me and him together and um, roll up our sleeves and methodically go through everything, you know, and shake everything out and uh, pull stuff away from the walls. And in doing that, we found a couple of things that were from his childhood, like really early childhood. Like, uh, for example, there was this coupon that I had drawn that was like um, Christmas present sleepover with mom coupon you know and a little drawing of me and him having a sleepover and it was so sweet and we actually like as he said i legit teared up mom (laughs) you know (laughs) and and so there was like this this incredible poignancy um to uh that horrific you know Mm -hmm. flying at debacle uh that would make a really good story for the animated woman you know a, a visual storytelling yeah. Um, story. So yeah, that's where I, then I'm like picturing it in my mind. How would I draw that? How would I draw that? Right. Oh, a hundred flying carpenter ants on, on your style. That would be, 
that would be really fun. <laughs> <laughs> my son screaming, I don't want to go in there by myself, mommy. And he's like 19 and like way bigger than me, right? <laughs> I can see the, the, the height difference between the two. And yeah, oh, that'd be good. I love yeah, it. So well, funny. And, and, I, and so for listeners, that's where JC and I connected. I said in my intro, uh, I mentioned that you drew my bride and I for our wedding. That's right. Such a generous thing. So beautiful. And we still go back and look at that. And it's such a great memory of our uh, hashtag Moyle Vegas wedding. Um, yeah, that was the, the stick figure yeah. wedding topper yeah. image. Yeah. So yeah, it's incredible. And you really do. They are deceptively simple. Like you look at it, you think, okay, stick figure, maybe you did it like an MS paint or something, right? But in reality, I mean, there's emotion in there. You can see nuances. It's really fun. So Yeah, little identifiers that make it look like the person, even though it's a stick figure. Yeah. Um, but if you want to know what uh, medium I use, it's not MS Paint, although a lot <laughs> of stick figure people do use that. I actually use Adobe Flash. Okay. So that way, if I wanted to animate one of my drawings, I can do it really easily because I'm actually an animator. Yeah. That's so, a big, big part of it. So let's, so let's talk about that then. You're an animator. Um, my, my life, me, right? Oh yeah. That's your show? So, yeah. so you've, so like you say animator, I mean, legitimately that's something that you do commercials and shows and this kind of thing. So how's that career been for you? What, where did that start? So that started, I guess when I was, gosh, how old was I? I guess I was about 21 and I happened to meet an animator who uh, was a special effects guy who worked on heavy metal, the movie. So, I mean, we're talking like a million years ago now, you know, before dinosaurs <laughs> roamed the earth. Um, so yeah, he, he worked on that film and I met him and he became my boyfriend actually. And he taught me about animation and like, you know, got me super into it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And I was in university studying graphic design at that point. And um, uh, I started taking, you know, animation. Every, every extra course that I could take outside of um, graphic design was in animation. And, uh, as, you know, I, I think I, I didn't even finish university. I got a job in animation and that was it. I just took off. So I guess I've been working in animation ever since then. So a long, long time because I mean, I'm 58 now. So 58 minus 21 is like math is hard. So <laughs> a really big number. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been doing animation for so long and my career, you know, it, it gained through the years where I started off as an artist and then became a producer at one point. And then I created and directed my own series. Um, and uh, that was really my pinnacle, uh, I guess. Uh, and uh, after that, I was so tired. I was completely exhausted. And that was in 2011. Hmm. Um, and I just could not go back to the industry because I was, I was just broken, you know. Um, it took me a long time to recover from that. 90 hours a week, um, every week for almost two years. Wow. without any kind of, you know, break and it's very stressful. So yeah. And then that's kind of coincided with when I was doing my, um, I started doing my blog and doing the animated woman. And, uh, you know, I guess I, I kind of went independent at that point. Yeah. And is that one of the dangers of 
you know, the, the, the advice of find your passion and chase it. If you love drawing so much, but you get into this animation world and it burns you out, yeah. I suppose there's a risk there that you'll never come back to it, huh? Well, I mean, I didn't go back to it in terms of the industry. Sure. You know, um, but I'm just the kind of person who's like, I, I guess I don't say this to, to big myself up at all, but I'm like really creative. I have this like creative urge all the time and it, it just has to come out or I'm going to go crazy. So, um, so I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna work in the industry. I'm still gonna be working, you know, working, drawing, 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 get those stories out, bang, bang, bang. Oh man, I love it. I just yeah. love it. Yeah, but it is a risk and you see it, you see articles being written now about um, people who code in, and it's a very similar kind of industry in that it, um, it, uh, you have these huge groups of coders who are a lot like those huge groups of animation artists who are like working to deadline and working crazy hours and, you know, really suffering a lot of burnout. So you have to watch out for that. You can't do it uh, in a sustained way and be healthy. You need to take breaks and you need to take vacations. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And so when you, got out of there. I mean, can you ever see now going back to an industry versus staying independent or does independence just, is it just what, what moves you to? Yeah, it's really delicious. You know, there's not a lot of money in it. Um, you know, uh, it was really just an accident that, that I started doing these pet portraits. That was not something that I planned at all. And it turned out to be a, a pretty successful move to, mm know to go go that way although it takes me away from my my animated woman storytelling and I do have hanging waiting for me to go back to a book that is you know three quarters finished and it's a graphic novel my first graphic novel um, like full-on you know with panels and everything mm. and also a film that I started that I really wanted to finish so I'm, but I, I have to like work to pay off these vet bills. So I'm, I'm doing, you know, the, the, uh, uh, I'm doing the pet portraits for that, but I, I would find it really hard to, to go back to the, like an industry setting, a commercial animation setting, unless it was, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't even know if I could survive. Oh my God. Yeah. It is so stressful. And I'm the kind of person I like give like a million percent, right? <laughs> yep, as I understand. Yeah. So so sounds like you obviously have this spirit within you that has to create. So that probably is part of why you love stories. But what else is it that you love about storytelling and, and drawing in particular and using that to tell stories? So I get a big bang out of it myself. First of all, it's very selfish. Um, uh, I'm actually, I'm drawing something funny and I'm sniggering away, in, you know, in my head. And even before I've drawn it, I'm like, how will I draw that? Oh, ha, 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 you know, and I'm laughing to myself. So I get like this mastery, um, uh, how do you say, like, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's very fulfill fulfilling, like fulfillment of my own mastery that I've developed over all these years. I mean, I say mastery, but it's the, my own personal ability to like lay it down and just, uh, so I'm just gonna turn that off because the 
it's just my mom. <laughs> it's not an emergency. <laughs> um, yeah, so I get like a lot of fulfillment of just doing it. It's like, yeah, doing it. And then, then, then the internet allows me to share it and get this feedback, right? So I really enjoyed the, the feeling of, of feedback, people giving me, you know, um, their, their take on it, their reaction to it. Uh, so that side of it is also pretty rewarding. Yeah. So do you think social media has been a positive impact then on, has had a positive impact on your storytelling? I think it's positive even when it's negative. Yeah. And I, I say that, um, with a lot of conviction because I lived through a huge, um, attack, like hate, a hater, a hate dumb, um, for my TV series, my life, me, um, uh, my TV series was not released in, in uh, North America in English, uh, really. It, it only played in Canada. Um, it played in Canada for a year in French and then on Teletoon, and it played in English only for about two weeks. And uh, it played around the world in different countries, you know, and in Asia and in all over Europe. Um, but the uh, North American, I guess, audience found it through YouTube where someone had, you know, up, you know, grabbed it and uploaded it. Um, and, uh, and, and so they, these, I guess people who, uh, decided that it wasn't to their taste, you know, they were talking about grownups, you know, not, not the kids that it was aimed at, you know, there, um, were, they were offended by it in whatever way, which is fine. You know, they don't like it. That's, that's fine. And they did this like, coordinated attack on my blog from 4chan so that was really horrible at first but then I, I kind of super got into like like you know following they didn't understand that I was following them on 4chan which was at that time okay 2010 I think um or 2011 like at that time was really like a a, a seething mass of uh all kinds of energy, good and bad, you know, um, or a lot of conversation and uh, stuff was being nourished, you know, love and hate for whatever, anything, right? Mm -hmm. And they came and like attacked me on my blog. So I was watching them talk about, you know, how they were going to attack me on my blog. And then they were screen capping it and I was screen capping it. <laughs> it was really, it was really uh, funny. And, and that, so that was, that was you know, bad only in that they were kind of threatening my kids, um, who were really, you know, kids back then. They were, they were, they're all grown up now, but they were, they were children back then. Wow. And that was, you know, kind of scary. Um, but I made it all go away. Do you want to know how I'm, how I handled that? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I agreed to do, uh, I think it was two or three interviews with some people in that whole scene. And they interviewed me and what came out was my history, you know, including the, the little bit that I just told you about my friend who, uh, who worked on heavy metal, you know, um, and how I got into animation and, and all these different people that I know, some of them are, are Oscar winners, you know, who are friends of mine. Um, and, and, and after that, they were like, okay, well, we like you, you're okay. <laughs> we hate the show, but we like you. And then, they just went away from my life like I wish these carpenter ants would do. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And you know what? The freakiest thing was that I missed them after they were gone. Oh, wow. No kidding. Isn't that funny? That is funny. The internet. <coughs> so it, so it, it, it can be very difficult to deal with people on the internet, but you turned it around into this really cool story. How, man, cause I, cause I've heard, you know, of, of people being attacked obviously on the internet and, and I, I've been fortunate not to, I mean, what was it in you that wanted to turn that around rather than like, I don't know, go into your own shell or get depression or do something negative with it. How did you turn that around? You know, there's nothing that I can do to convince them to change their minds. The show wasn't targeted to them. Mm. They're entitled to their opinion. So I, I told them, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, but I stand by my show. You know, I stand by the decisions I made. You know, I made certain decisions based on uh, a lot of different factors that they had no idea about what it's like to create and direct a TV show with all the pressures of schedule and budget and the producers and the different broadcasters and the artists that you have access to and the ones you don't have access to, you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of things there that they didn't, they, there's no way they're going to know. They can only imagine, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I just communicated with them and, and all those convos are, are still there on my blog. <laughs> Yeah, I left them there because why not, you know? Yeah. Well, there again, it's part of your story, so. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So so we've talked about bullies and haters. We've talked about the pressures of, of the industry. We've talked about where your inspiration comes from. Where, not where, what? What is your biggest challenge as a storyteller and as an animator? Oh, man. I mean, definitely time, hmm. right? Um, it's not money uh, because I can do everything myself. So, and I can, I can run something right from concept all the way to the output and even, you know, the distribution, right? So, and I, and I do, so I don't need anyone except me. So it's really just, just finding the time. Um, does that answer your question? Or are you asking yeah. me something a little deeper? No, that's No, absolutely. I mean, that's, I think that's what we all face in a lot of different areas, right? Is making the time, having the time, time for yourself so that you don't burn out, time to get it done, focus, right? I mean, I think that's a great answer. Yeah, thank you. I can, I can totally see that. Yeah. And, it, and then what I heard you say too, JC, is that you, you can do everything all the way through distribution. Is that partly, is that because of the internet? Like you can distribute to your fans directly? Absolutely. Yeah, it is. And, and not just in like, um, like upload it to YouTube so they can see it, you know, um, and then embed a link on my blog, which, you know, talking about blogging, a uh, little side note there is that people do still read on a blog and, but they don't really comment there, you know, and since I started doing these pet portraits, I'm blogging less and less often. Um, just because I, I need the money and, uh, um, uh, and, and I'm really enjoying it too, you know, so it's a little kind of like side gig that I have, uh, in, uh, it, just because of the, the, the economics of my, my, uh, my situation right now, but, um, but people don't really comment there anymore. So, um, you have to kind of see your audience and bring it, bring your product or your, your stories to your audience wherever they are, you know, so if I'm going to upload it, upload a, a 
a video, a, an animated film, I'm going to be uploading it uh, to YouTube and also directly to Facebook, you know, maybe a part of it to Instagram and also Twitter so that I can hit all of those audiences. Um, also, other things that I can do um, are I can enter my film, and I did this with my last two films. I didn't make them freely available. I can upload them to um, festivals, enter, enter them into festivals, so they can live on a festival circuit and uh, reach audiences that um, that I never never would reach otherwise, you know, in festivals. So my last two films, Papa Pasquale and uh, um, uh, Honesty, with film with Pickle Weasel. Um, so they're in the festival circuit and, you know, uh, uh, and also they're for sale on, on an educational website called Teachers Pay Teachers where I can sell some of my videos and my drawings. So that all exists because of the internet and also books, you know, I've done some books, right? So I'm able to directly publish them and sell them through the internet, um, print on demand. So there's lots of ways that I can distribute uh, and, you know, reach my, my audience. Um, uh, Thanks to the internet, and if it goes away, I'm not going to stop drawing, but people will probably stop seeing it. <laughs> figure, figure a way to get it out there, right? So, so yeah. listener, listener, catch that. Diversify. That's what I got out of that. As as a storyteller, as an artist, as a drawer, whatever whatever label you want, JC. The key that I heard was to diversify and bring your story in multiple areas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you can tell your stories in different ways too. Mm -hmm. So we'll look for a, a, a drawing podcast from you soon, then. So, <laughs> uh, no problem. So, <laughs> so, how do you think? Like, like you've had quite a journey. It sounds like you know. I mean, pretty incredible from the heavy metal film, which which I do remember. Um, so, I didn't work on it though. My friend worked on your it. Your friend worked on it, but like having that connection to it, right? And, and yeah. being that close to those folks to getting into your career as an animator and having your show to this. Have you had points in this career, milestones, let's say, where you look around and go, wow, I feel like I'm kind of making it in this moment. Like, like what's a good milestone that you've reached? Okay. A really good one was, uh, um, I moved back to Montreal, I guess in 2000, and I was hired by a company called uh, Pascal Blade Productions. It was a commercial animation company that I used to uh, work for as an artist um, when I was living, you know, the beginning of, beginning of my career. And uh, um, uh, it's a really good uh, house, a lot of talented people. And so I was, became their, their producer, their in-house producer. Um, running all the commercials that were coming through. So I wasn't not working as an artist, but I knew every phase of production as an artist. So I knew exactly, um, you know, how long something should take to draw or animate. And, uh, and also, you know, how, so I, I was able to keep everything on schedule and, and, uh, and, you know, on budget. And I was able to work with some amazing directors. So I got to work with Cordell Barker, who's been uh, nominated for an Oscar num a number of times um, and, uh, uh, um, and also an Oscar winner um, uh, who, uh, who did the, the Old Man in the Sea. I don't know if you know that film. It won, I think, in 1999. Um, uh, and his name is uh, Alexander Petrov. And he's an, an incredible artist. He's just probably the most talented person 
the most talented human that I've ever met on, on the planet. He, he works in, in oils and he paints under the camera. So the camera is like taking a picture every frame of what he's painting. He moves the paint a little bit and takes a frame. Moves the paint a little bit, takes a frame. So he's animating like this. So he animated this film called The Old Man and the Sea, which was, you know, based on um, the book, uh, Hemingway's book. And, you know, it's like ocean and underwater and, you know, the guy in the boat. And, and it's just absolutely beautiful. And it was animated with an IMAX camera. So I got to work with him, not on that film, but on uh, a Coca-Cola commercial, which... Uh, was had you know those uh do you remember those paintings of uh santa claus drinking coke yeah yeah by, by an artist called sunblum and um so coca-cola wanted those drawings to those paintings to come to life and really the only person who could do that convincingly you know paint in sunblum style and animate at the same time was uh, alexander petrov so um working closely with him on that project was amazing absolutely amazing um he's, he was so talented and i really felt like uh so privileged you know to be yeah. able to do that yeah what an what a privilege what an honor what a an amazing milestone to get to that's cool yeah that's that awesome crazy. Uh, what kind of advice do you have for storytellers kind of starting off in, in, in today's world? You know, you've had a, a career, you mentioned your age earlier, so you've had a few years under your belt. <laughs> if someone, I won't revisit that age. I won't, I won't do that to a lady. Um, but uh, no, but you've had a, a few years. So if someone was starting off now, uh, you know, you said earlier, uh, like I said, I got out of that whole discussion was diversify. But what other, what other piece of advice would you give somebody starting off right now as a storyteller in 2019? Um, I would say definitely um, I would say do it you know you want to do it do it I hear a lot of people say oh I can't because of money or you know like I'm not good or you know uh, I mean you heard me moaning about not being able to find the time but it's because I'm too busy drawing actually you know <laughs> So that's okay, really. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that if somebody wants to, to tell stories, no matter how, um, like look at you, you know, how did you do it, right? You're telling the stories of people telling the stories. So what, how did you carve out this time? Right. You, know? right. you just decided I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make the time. I'm going to, going to find the, the money or, or, you know, I mean, I personally don't think that you need to have money if you want to keep even just a journal and, you know, before you go to bed every night, um, challenge yourself to do a little drawing. That's what I did during Inktober. Do you know Inktober? Like in the month of October, uh, we all get out our, our ink pens and we do an ink drawing, um, one per day based on a theme and uh, post them on Instagram or the internet. You know, it's all over the internet. Yeah. So I wasn't really, like I said, I wasn't really doing any drawings on paper last October. And um, I decided I was going to just before bed, do a really quick ink sketch and upload it for Inktober. And I, in the month of October is 31 days. That's 31 sketches. And I said, well, I'm going to be tired. I'm not going to be wanting to spend a lot of time. So I'm for sure going to do it, you know, even if it's a really simple drawing. 
And having that kind of discipline to force yourself to do it, even if your drawing comes out crappy, <laughs> eventually, eventually it's going to be, you know, your own personal kind of crappy, which is what I do. You know, <laughs> my drawings are not really going to, um, you know, they're not going to ever hang in the Louvre. I'm never going to achieve what my friend uh, Alexander Petrov, you know, does. But that's not, that's not stopping me, right? Absolutely. There you go. So That's you just got to do it, guys. Just do it. Even if it's shit, do it. Just just execute. <laughs> just execute. Absolutely. And if the haters hate, well, make friends with them. <laughs> love them, right? If the haters hate, yeah. love them. That's yeah. great. I love that. And, and I've had people ask me that about video marketing or video stuff. It's like, well, I'm not good on camera. Look, I got a face for radio and a voice for newspaper, but I still do it. Just, right. you know, th that first video is going to suck. The first hundred are probably going to suck, but do it. And eventually your suck will be less. So, well, you know, I think suck is good. That's right. Embrace the suck. Absolutely. Yeah, embrace the suck. JC, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to get to my last question here in just a second, but I want to make sure that listeners get a chance to connect with you. Um, I'll put links in the show notes uh, at the website, but where's the best place to connect with you? Do you think? Wow. Or the, the best, best couple places. <laughs> Yeah, the best place, well, I'm equally on uh, three places. Um, so Facebook, JC Little, J small C Little on Facebook. Um, then Twitter, I'm Animated Woman, at Animated Woman. Um, and uh, um, Instagram, uh, what am I on Instagram? Uh, I think I'm the Animated Woman <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> A search for animated woman and they'll find it <laughs> uh, just just google uh jc little and you'll find me yeah, yeah. and animatedwoman.com i know too i looked uh when in preparation for this that has all your social like down the side so um, that's right yeah a great way to put it, find it too there so uh so i'll link to all that in the show notes so jc if somebody were to say to you tonight you can no longer be a storyteller so tomorrow you had to find something else to do you couldn't be a storyteller anymore what would your last story be that you'd want to go out on you're talking about any kind of storytelling? Sure. Is I'm not allowed to do any kind of storytelling? Like, is that no, even possible? <laughs> no songs? No. I don't know. It's no good, stories good. at all? No, yeah. no songs? No poems? No. Yeah, what, would you, what would your last story be? What would my last story be? How, do you, how would oh. you want to go out? How would you want to say, okay, fine. I can't tell oh, stories I anymore. Here's my last one. Oh, wow. Um, well, that would be my film that, that I'm working on. Um, and I can't tell you what it's about, but it's, uh, I, I can tell you what it's about in three words. Um, innocence, violence, and, uh, and forgiveness. And it's called Flowers. And I'm really hoping to get back to that and finish it. Um, it doesn't, not going to take me a long time to do it. I just need to find the, the time. Um, yeah, so it would be that, that story. And that's a story for, it's universal. Um, it will have no talking, you know, no, um, it'll be universal in terms of language and in, in terms of message. Right. So, Oscar we'll, contender! We'll look for that. And if I know anybody <laughs> listening that's an Oscar judge, vote for flowers. So. Yeah, like, like <laughs> in 10 years when I get it out. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. Well, JC, thank you so much for making time for the Storytellers Network today. I hope you enjoyed. I did. It was super fun. Super Good. fun to see your face. <laughs> well, thanks.
So there you have it, listeners, JC Little. You can connect with her at the links in the show notes. Thank you so much, JC, for joining me today. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Now, if you enjoyed the episode, please consider sharing it somewhere with someone that you think might enjoy it as well. Social media, email, text it, however you want to share it. I very much appreciate it. And if you want to share your story with me, go to the storytellersnetwork.com, go to the contact us page, hit contact Dan, shoot me an email and let me know what's on your mind. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Thank you.